Good evening, good evening. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The After Show. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode six. And today we're going to talk about what I call go higher, not lower. So I really love this because it's one of those things that when you go through a lot in life, sometimes it feels like you're just going down and you're never able to move up. Don't ever believe that lie. So whenever you're making decisions in your life, go higher, not lower. And what, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that, let's say, for example, you're having financial struggles, okay? One way that you, that you can think higher is I would look at the lottery. You never know. You might win. So, for example, if the Powerball, let's say there's $150 million to be won, you know, if you have two or three dollars, go buy a lottery ticket. You might win, and you'll be $150 million richer than you were than you, than before you bought that ticket. Now, if you get the cash payout, you'll probably get like half of it, like $75 million, because there's a lot to be paid in taxes in that because you, are, um, you would be acquiring new wealth and it's prize money and it's income. So you should pay taxes on that. But you know, what I mean by this example is that you know, if you need money, you don't get a job where you make less money. You know what I mean? So whatever you're going through financially – You know, if you need more money in your bank and you currently have a job, look and see if there are any open positions in the company that you work for and see if you can move up. If it's not a company that you want to stick around with or maybe they don't think you're qualified or worthy to be promoted, don't worry about it. Spruce up your resume and apply to a job. And I would say apply to jobs where you make double or triple what you are making. That way... And you are worthy of it, and it is possible to get a job that pays that much more. They are out there. And so here's the thing. You have to believe in yourself. And I'm not trying to sound like Tony Robbins or Joel Olstein or something like that. I'm saying that just literally you have to believe in yourself and that you are worthy of making more money. You are, you are worthy of going higher, not lower. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make is that when they're scared and they don't have enough money or they're not making enough money, They, they, they take just any old job. Well, is just any old job going to pay the bills? No. Especially if you have a lot of bills, you need something where you make way more money, right? So if you currently have a job, that's great. Keep it, but move up in that position. Also recognize that, and I say this cautiously, and I say this with caution because I am in an at-will state. Of course, I am stationed here in Oklahoma, And here's the thing. In at-will states, employers really like to use and abuse workers' labor. And I don't say that lightly. I've experienced it myself. And one of the ways that they use and abuse workers is they say, oh, well, we want someone that can wear multiple hats. Well, I don't have multiple heads, so I'm only wearing one hat, and we're going to make this work, and we're going to do a really good job. Another thing that they try and say is that, oh, well, we prefer people, or they ask if you can multitask. Multitasking is a lie straight out of the depths of hell when it comes to employment because one of the things that employers do is they say, well, we hired you to do this, but because we really like you, we're going to have you do even more work within your 40-hour time frame for the week. So basically, they're having you do the, the job of like three or five people. Well, that's, you know, let's say you're doing the work of three people. then you should be getting paid for 120 hours worth of labor. But because in at-will states, and I'm not against at-will states, they could definitely improve because I'm not a fan 
of non-at-will states because they tend to be uh, overrun by labor unions and it ruins um, it ruins the labor, it ruins the cost of goods, it causes inflation and it, and it makes it very difficult to fire people that are not good workers because they are overly protected by the union. But anyway, whenever you uh get entrapped into doing more projects than what you were originally hired to do, you're being used and abused by your employer. But don't call them out on it because they'll just fire you. So what you should do is go to your boss and say, "Hey, I've taken on more responsibility. You know, what are my what are my options or what can I do to get promoted and make more money because I really like this company. I want to stay here, but I also want to make more money and it's obvious I'm really good at what I do. I'm very talented. Give give me some thoughts here." So that way it lets your boss and it lets your employer know you're not just going to work um at the same rate doing more and more and more that was never part of the original job description. One of the ways that employers get away with that is I've noticed over the years they added this um this sentence in the job description where it says this is not a complete list of all your job responsibilities. So then whenever I see that I know they're cheap. I was going to use a different word but they're cheap. and they're just using people for really cheap labor. And so whenever I see that line, I ask them in the interview, "Can you please describe to me the jo- the day-to-day job operations for this specific position?" "Can you tell me the the operations to the job? Like what is expected of me in this role? Like what am I doing from the moment I clock in to the moment I I arrive to the moment I leave? What is expected of me for this job?" And usually they tell you straight up in the interview. And as of yet, you know, I've been in a lot of interviews over the years and I've never found an employer that when I asked them that question that they said, "Oh, well there's actually way more that that you're going to be doing. We just can't think of it at the moment." See, because there's a thing, if an employer asks you very pinpointed questions, you need to ask them pinpointed questions as well because it lets them know, "Hey, you're on the mark. You mean business and you're not taking anything less than God's best." and you're serious about looking for a job, you're serious about getting a job, and you're serious about working for them and you want to know what is the expectation. Because if you don't let them know by asking these questions what your expect what your expectation of them is, then then they're not going to know what to expect from you. So if they if they don't know really what to expect from you, then they're going to push that envelope of what they're going to try and get away with. They may not necessarily realize that what they're doing is wrong because there are a lot of people they think that hey if you work for me you're you're going to do whatever I say and you should just be happy that I'm giving you a check and you should be grateful that it clears the bank. There are some bad employers that think that way but it's very rare and few and far between that actually think that way but they are out there and the way that you circumvent that and the way the way you handle that is you know who you are in Christ first of all because Jesus does matter whether you like it or not it does matter because here's the thing if if God be for you who dare be against you you know i feel so sorry sometimes for atheists and agnostics and people that have turned away from God because they don't realize what they're missing that God can help you protect you and defend you and make you really rich and also make your enemies pay for what they did to you but if you don't believe in God and you hate God and you've turned away from God you've basically got nothing and it's all on you that is very exhausting so here's the thing whenever i go into a business meeting i want i want God on my side 
that that's all I want. I want God to be on my side because regardless of the outcome, I know I'm good to go. I'm guarded and I am protected. But if you don't have that level-headed mindset of God's got this, I'm going to be fine, then then you're not going to know what to ask the employer. You're not going to know how to handle things at your job. And so instead of going higher and being more successful, you're going to go lower and lower and lower, make less and less money and be more and more miserable. And here's the thing, nobody wants that, but a lot of people do that. Because they they have fallen for this, oh, the employer knows best. That's not true. Both the employer and the worker know best because whoever you work for is is whoever is paying your wages, but they are supposed to honor your wages by providing you the work that they said they're going to give you, not add on all this other stuff. Another thing I can't stand and I'm sure people will agree with this as well. I can't stand it when I volunteer for a church and the only reason why the church is saving money is because they have all these people working for them for free, all these volunteers, but if they actually had to pay for their labor, they they would actually think twice before making all these demands on their parishioners or or their people that attend their church. See, what I don't like about Christianity and I am a Christian, but one of the thing I don't like about what some Christian churches do is they guilt you into volunteering and say, "Well, if you if you believe in Jesus, you should give back to the church." Well, here's the thing, sometimes you don't have a whole lot to give. I mean, that that's just how it is. Sometimes you don't have a lot of time. Sometimes you don't have a lot of money, but you should give what you can. In regards to your income, you should tithe 10%. You should tithe 10% right off the bat. The moment you you get your paycheck, you should tithe 10% to your church. If you can help out at your church, that's great. But I would not overdo it because you're going to get burned out, stressed out, and then you're going to see what your church is really like. I've experienced that. I can't tell you how many times I have volunteered at different churches over the years. and i just felt so underappreciated or not appreciated at all and it just felt like nothing i did was good enough and i normally don't feel that way but that's what it felt like because they didn't appreciate the fact that normally i would get paid to help in that manner and so i was like you know what i i need to go where i'm appreciated where i'm loved and treated with dignity and respect you know what it's the same thing with an actual job You need to work where you are loved and appreciated. I don't mean loved as as in like, "Oh, we love you. It's inclusive. Oh, don't you just love that chicken soup for the soul book?" That's crap. Excuse my language. That's garbage. That's just fluff. When someone loves you, it's not foo-foo and it's not fluff-fluff. Okay? It's real love. And I don't mean sex. I mean that they they honor and respect you. And they're not going to use you for your labor. They're going to pay you for your labor. and they're going to pay for your overtime and they're not going to complain about it. and I could use a different word but I'm trying to work on my my language here. See, this is why it's important to go higher, not lower. You know, we have no control over other people and how they behave, how they act, what they think, what they say, but we have complete control over our lives. Over our body, our mouth, our mind, our will, our emotions, and we need to start taking hold of that. We need to start being self-reliant. Cuz you know, we've got so many weak-minded individuals in this country and you know, one of the reasons why is because they were coddled as children. It's just like, you know, 
We don't just have helicopter parents these days. We have what this one priest called F-16 parents. They're, they're just nuts and crazy about their kids, and they're not letting their kids be the actual individuals that they are. It's crazy. It is very crazy. And so then they wonder why their kids don't know what to do when they turn 15, 16, 17, much less 18, and then they get into their 20s, and they don't have a good work ethic. Why? Because their parents have been doing, doing everything for them. You know what I find very sad is whenever I drive by a school and instead of seeing school buses lined up, I see just a mile long or five miles long, literally, of cars of all these parents driving to pick up their kids or drop them off. You know what? You learn a lot about society when you ride a bus. I mean, really. You learn to be tough. But now parents, they, they've been turned or they have turned themselves into chauffeurs for their children. Take me here, take me there, take me here, take me there. It's not about you, sweetheart. We're a family. And I'm not driving you everywhere. And you're not going to play five or six sports every season. You pick one, you pick one sport that you want to play, and you have fun at it. If you don't like it, hey, we'll do something different the next year. But I'm not driving you all over town, and we're not flying all over this country just so you can feel special. There are so many parents that they are obsessed With making their children feel special. They've got to feel special. Oh, you're my number one. Well, if you have multiple kids, not all of your kids can be number one. We all know that. I mean, you do your best to love them equally, but you know that different kids are good at different things. And then, you know, your kid's got to have the, 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 um, the newest iPhone or the, the newest iPad or the, the latest game. They don't need all that. I mean, it's just insane what parents buy their kids these days. It's like it's like it's Christmas every day. So then when kids actually do get something, they don't appreciate the work that went into buying that good. They don't understand how much money it costs to purchase that phone or to purchase that software or those shoes or those clothes. It comes down to the parents. And see, here's the thing. These parents are not going higher When they're raising their kids like that, they are actually degrading themselves. They are actually degrading themselves as an adult because they're making themselves subservient to a child. And I'm not saying that you can't love your children. You should love your children. Here's the thing. If you actually love your children, you will make it very clear, not in a dictatorship or Victorian kind of way, but you will make it very clear that they are the child and you are the adult and that you do not do their will or their bidding. They are not in charge of the house. They are not in charge of the finances. They, they are not in charge of the car. But there are so many kids that they are just, and they have this entitlement mentality. Well, that, that didn't just happen. They are molded and trained to be that way. They get it from their parents. Oh, you're special. There's no one like you. You're always a winner even if you lose. No, actually, you can be a loser in this country. You can be a loser anywhere on the face of this earth. See, a lot of these kids are not being taught that just because you fail doesn't mean it's over. That's why they tell them, oh, you're always a winner. You're always a winner. No, you're not. I know from playing basketball and soccer and tennis, there are winners and there are losers. If everyone's a winner, then, then what's the point of trying to win? What's the point of striving to be your best? See what I mean? 
these parents have created so many lazy kids. And what's funny is that we have way more obese kids in this country in this day and age than ever before. Obesity never used to be a problem. Never. Never. It was rare to have a fat kid. I remember when I was in grade school, we only had like one one fat kid in the entire school, maybe two. And they weren't even obese like they are today. Now there are fat kids and obese kids everywhere. Who's feeding them? Who's who's getting them all that food? It's their parents. It's not the school system. It's not the government. It's the parents. Whose fault is that? Hmm, the parents. Whatever happened to having, you know, healthy children? Now we have kids that are developing diabetes. Whose fault is that? The parent. You know, I remember growing up, we only had 3 meals a day, and it you either ate it or you didn't. You're not going to starve if you miss one meal. I think you don't starve unless you haven't eaten for like, I don't know, 7 or 14 days. I mean, you can you can live a long time. No, I take that back. It's actually longer than that. I think it's almost a month. You can go a long time without eating, but you can't go a long time without drinking water or taking in fluids. But these these parents and these kids, oh my gosh, they miss one little meal and they don't get what they want. Oh, way away, away. What a bunch of suck babies. Weak-minded suck babies. And that may sound harsh, but look at what is happening in our society. We are the fattest country on the face of this earth. We are the fattest generation that this planet has ever seen. Whose fault is that? It's the adults' fault. Especially when it comes to raising kids like that. You know, I remember growing up, there was only one diabetic kid in our entire school. You know, I I would think the entire time I was in school, like up until 12th grade, we only had one kid that was diabetic and guess what? He was a fat ugly slob. He was a jerk too. He was horrible. And it's just like, wow, like how are his parents raising him? Well, they're feeding him. They're overfeeding him is what they're doing. Now, it's different when you have diabetes because you're born with it. But even then, there are people that are born with diabetes, they don't take care of themselves. Who fault whose fault is that? That's their fault. And I'm not against diabetic patients. I pray for them. I really do and I pray that they are cured, but here's the thing, there's so many things that we have to take responsibility for. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are, you have responsibility to take care of that. And also, you have the honor to take care of that. And the reason why I say that is that it's supposed to be an honor to be good to yourself. It's supposed to be an honor to do well in life. No one wants to be diabetic and lose a foot, you know, go blind, lose an eye. You know what I mean? And have all these complications with your heart, you know, all this stuff. No one wants that. If you can avoid all that by just eating differently, I'm not saying you can't ever you can't ever have a piece of cake. I'm just saying, like, be a good steward of, of your body. See, because here's the thing: if you're not being a good steward, you're you're not going higher. You're you're going lower. Don't go lower. Go higher. And here's the thing. You know, it never hurts to ask God to heal you of that. Heal you of diabetes, it doesn't matter which one. You know, if you overeat, ask God to heal you of gluttony. Oh my goodness, did I just say the word glutton? Yes, I did. We have tremendous amounts of gluttony in this country. Tremendous. It's disgusting, it's disappointing, and it's weird. 
It is so weird. You know what's interesting is that I always find it odd, and I'll close with this. I always find it odd whenever I go to a restaurant, and they won't allow me to order off the kids' meal. It's like, well, that's all the food I want. Well, you have to order a bigger meal, okay? I only eat like a fourth of it because I don't want to overeat. Well, then they get mad when I ask for a doggy bag. They get offended, and then they only bring me one box. I'm like, I need more than one box here. It's obvious I'm taking all of this home. Guess what? They don't want me to take all the food home. They want to charge me for the food, but they want to keep the food there. And I know for a fact that sometimes waiters and waitresses they eat off of other people's plates. They take the food back and they take it home for themselves. That is stealing. That is gluttony. That is thievery. That's why I'm like, well, you better bring me a whole lot of boxes because I'm taking the bread home. I'm taking everything off my plate home. I'm taking a to-go cup. I'm taking everything that I'm paying for. Everything. And you know what's interesting? <laughs> There are some waiters and waitresses they can't stand that. And I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm the one that's paying for this food. I have every right to take it home. I paid for it. But here's the thing. There's this pressure for you to eat and eat and eat and eat right there at the table, and it's like they don't want you to take anything home. Why not? We go to the grocery store and we buy food and we bring it home. We don't stand there in line. At least most of us don't. You know, we don't stand there in line and just eat eat everything in our basket. We take it home. What's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. There's nothing wrong with taking your food home. I remember one time I went to this really nice restaurant. And I guess it was considered a faux pas or whatever <clears throat> to ask for a doggy bag because it was a nice restaurant. But I was like, well, you know, I I can't finish it all. I need to take it home. The waiter just kind of looked at me, like, did you really just ask for that kind of thing? And I just stared at him. And he walked off and eventually brought me a little a little container or whatever, and it was a nice one. Like a gourmet a, a gourmet container, you know those really thick plastic ones that you can reheat in the microwave. He didn't want me to have that nice container. Well, guess what? Those nice doggy bags—they are specifically for the customer. They're not for the wait staff. They're not for the cook. They're not for the chef. They're not for the janitor. So start forking them out. If it's available, use it. But it's like you know what? I think we need to stop this whole. faux pas kind of BS excuse my language because it really hinders people from living well because it hinders people it hinders people excuse me from speaking up it hin- it hinders people from getting what they really want and what they really desire which could just be a doggy bag so i can take my food home it's like i'm not leaving good food here on the table you kidding me like there's this one restaurant i went to i had so much food left over it was awesome i i had leftovers for like a week It was great. Saved so much money and just reheated the food and because it was really good food, it actually didn't taste like leftovers. It tasted like I'd just gone to a restaurant. So here's the thing. Don't allow people to manipulate you especially with your food or your money or your life. Because that's what's been happening. And I can't stand that. It irritates me, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not the problem they are because if they're up to something that's exactly what they are. They are up to something. And that means I'm not the problem, they are the problem. Cuz everything I do is legit. 
I mean, I say it like it is, and it better be black and white, yes and no, obvious. That's just how I roll, because I find that whenever I let my guard down, that's when bad stuff happens. I don't know how it is for you guys, but that's how it is for me. I'm like, mm-mm, not doing this anymore. You know, I've noticed that whenever I let my guard down, it's like the vultures come swooping in. And I can't stand that. I'm like, why are there all these vultures? It's like, well, you let your guard down. I think my biggest fault is that sometimes I'm too nice. It doesn't pay to be nice. And I'm not saying you be mean or hateful. I'm just saying that women have a bad habit, and we're trained this way, unfortunately. We're, we're indoctrinated into, into this. We, we are we're trained and indoctrinated to be too nice. And then that turns us into doormats. Well, we need to wake up and be anti-doormat. And that doesn't mean be a feminist. It means being smart. Just be you. Don't let someone jip you. Don't let them take advantage of you, even if it's just food at a restaurant. See, here's the thing. You paid for that. You paid for that food. You paid for the service. So why, why shouldn't you get what you pay for? And that's not a, you know, the customer is always right because the customer isn't always right because sometimes they are wrong. But when the customer is right, they are genuinely right. That's the thing. Like, I know that there, there is a common trend now for, for restaurants and places of business to not give you your receipt. I can't stand that. I always ask for my receipt. And they just look at me like, I was like, I need my receipt. And they're supposed to give you a receipt. See, here's the thing. How do you know what all you have been charged if you don't see the receipt? You know, one of the things that they give me is just a grand total. I'm like, I don't, I know what the total is. I want to see the charges. Because that's where they sneak stuff in. That's where they lie, cheat, and steal. And you know, what's funny is that sometimes when I ask for a receipt, I'm like, no, itemize. I want to see the charges. This is just a grand total. I want to see what everything costs. Well, there's the menu. No, I want to see what you put into the system. See, they're hiding stuff. Because I've noticed that whenever they don't give you an itemized receipt, which is what they're supposed to do, they're supposed to give you an itemized receipt so you can look at the bill. You clear up any mishaps before they actually charge your card. But I've noticed that whenever they don't want to give me a receipt... And I asked for one, like an itemized receipt, itemized receipt, which again is what they're supposed to do. Sometimes the total changes. And I'm like, oh, so there was something there that wasn't supposed to be there. I was like, I understand these things happen, but this is why you, know, you should just give the customer an itemized receipt. This is how it's always been. And I think one of the reasons why they're not giving receipts is because everybody does everything from their phone. And they don't realize what they're being charged. You, you know, they don't realize what's hitting their bank. There are so many thieves in the hospitality industry as waiters, waitresses, whatever the case may be, um, managers of restaurants. There are so many frauds and crooks that work in hospitality. You have to be careful. And I'm not saying they're all like that. But if you're going to be a good steward of your money, you need to be a good steward. Like you need to be wise. You need to be aware of this. And that's where it comes into play where you go higher, not lower. If you don't care how... 
you know, how you spend your money or who's taking your money, you're not very smart. And I don't mean that harshly. I'm just saying, hey, don't be a dingling. It doesn't pay to be stupid. It doesn't pay to be too trusting. It doesn't pay to be over-trusting. And also, it for sure does not pay to be nice or too nice. I'm not saying be disrespectful or harsh. It's just you you have a mindset and a body language that you're not going to put up with anything less than God's best. And you you expect everything to be on the up and up. That's how it's supposed to be because here's the thing. If you never if you never hold other people accountable for their behavior, more than likely they will never change and they will continue to get away with stuff that they should have never gotten away with. I've experienced this at Sonic. And I'm not against Sonic. I absolutely love Sonic. It's great. But I had to kind of teach them, give me my receipt. And I'm really nice about it. I said, "Oh, it's for banking purposes," which is true. But I want to see what all I'm being charged and did they really only charge me the tip that I authorized? I like to see that stuff. Because you know it, it creates transparency. I think a lot of these sit-down restaurants, they got into a bad habit of just walking off with your card, and I think a lot of people got irritated with that. And so I really like it now that these sit-down restaurants, they have those little, um, what are they called? They're like uh, credit card machine things that are right at your table, and you can order from there. So that the waiter or waitress doesn't screw it up, because half the time they don't always listen, or they don't care about what you actually want and what you're paying for. They just want a big tip, which is greed. You know, it's one thing when you actually care about your customer, then you deserve a good tip. When you don't care about the customer and you mess up their order, but yet you expect a really good tip, that's a thief. But anyway, I really like those machines that they have, little console things at the table where you put in your order, and/or you ring up yourself. So that way, your card never leaves the table. I think that's great, and then they're not standing there hounding you, watching you for the tip. I think it's a great idea. I think it's great that they have those things at the table. And initially, I was like, "Well, I think it's kind of being lazy," but then when you see that it's actually better for the customer. That you not ever have to part with your credit card. That's actually really safe because it cuts down on fraud. It cuts down on identity theft, and it also holds the waiter or waitress accountable for what they're doing or what they're not doing. See, that's going higher, not lower. That's going higher because you you are raising the bar, not to be mean, but to be ethical, to be professional, to be respectable, and to do what's right. And you see, raising the bar is not being inclusive. See, because if you're inclusive, then you would make excuses for people that break the law, which is what happens sometimes these days. If you're inclusive, then 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 you never call someone out for their bad behavior. You just include them as part of society and say, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with what they did. We are being inclusive here. We need to love and support them." I don't think so. When someone's wrong, they're wrong. We have rules, laws, and regulations for a reason—not to browbeat people, but to hold bad people accountable for what they do, and to help encourage them change their life and for the better. That's called being a good society. 
Hence, go higher, not lower. In anything and everything, go higher. Raise the bar. Do better. Be better. Strive for more. Be more successful. Be more prosperous. Be honest. Have integrity. All those good, wonderful things that we're supposed to be taught as children. But these helicopter parents, they're not teaching, or excuse me, F-16 parents, they're not teaching their children integrity. They think, you know, these kids, they think that we should all kiss the ground they walk on because that's what their parents do. I got news for you. When they get to be 18 and when they get to be 18 and they go out in the real world, they're in for a big slap across the face, not not literally, but figuratively. Because it it can be really tough out there in the world. And if you think that, you know, everybody should just worship you, Well, we don't believe in idolatry here in the United States. We're not pagan. We're Christian. So we don't worship anyone except the one true God. We worship the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of Joshua. Why on earth would you worship a person? Why on earth would you kiss someone else's feet? That's stupid. Know that you are worthy and you deserve better. But if you don't know that you're worthy and that you deserve better, then you're not going to hold bad people accountable for what they do wrong. And so the bad things that they do will perpetuate, it will continue. And when that kind of stuff, that bad stuff perpetuates and continues, it creates a lot of chaos in our society and that's what's going on right now. It's lack of rules, laws and regulations first of all, and it's lack of enforcing the rules, laws and regulations that we have. I don't think we need more regulation or legislation. I think we need less. But we do need to enforce the ones that we have on the books. And if the ones we have on the books like Obamacare, if they are illegal, unlawful and immoral, we need to get rid of it. We need to repeal it. Because if something's not good for the United States, you know, we need to change that. We need to do what's good and true for our country and that means for everybody, not just the few, but for everybody. Because if it's not for everybody, then it lacks equality. And equality comes from the Constitution of the United States, but even before that, it comes from God's holy word. It comes from God. We are all equal to each other. I'm not better than you and you're not better than me. That's equality. That's not ruffling feathers, that's just saying it like it is. But if you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus and if you don't know who you are as a citizen of the United States, you're not going to recognize when you are when you're getting jipped. You're just going to be gullible, foolish, and too trusting. Don't don't be those things. That doesn't mean you have to be harsh or untrusting, not by any means. It means that you're sharp and you're smart and you're wise. Those three traits are way better than what is going on in the majority of our society right now, especially with our young people. There are just crazy liberal nutbags at these universities. It's insane. It's like, you know, being a crazy liberal nutbag used to be really rare. It was unheard of because there was more common sense back then. Right now, not so much common sense. So, I will definitely be praying that more people have common sense and they stand up for what's right. Because we need that. We need more good people to do the right thing and we need more bad people to become good people so that way they can actually be a good citizen in our society as opposed to doing things really bad that is my true wish
That people actually recognize they are worthy and they need to do good in this world. That doesn't mean being a political activist. That doesn't mean be, being tyrannical. It means being good, kind, and true. It means being a Christian. It means doing the right thing. It means believing in your country. And it means protecting your country. It means valuing the very nation that has been given to you. And also the very nation that you are continuing to build. Everybody has a place in society. But with that placement in society, there, there are expectations to do what's right no matter what. And that's always important for any given society. But I will go ahead and end this podcast. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. That you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.